morning, Kansas City. We are live from Los Angeles Airport. Here I am with my esteemed colleague, Vahe Gregorian, who's probably about 20 feet behind me. And Sam McDowell currently waiting in his, his hotel for the, for the plane ride home. Uh, but, you know, we got a lot to unpack here. Chiefs squeezed out an overtime 34-28 to win last night, Thursday night, against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs are now 10-4 and with a two-game lead in the AFC West. Gentlemen, let's just, just dive right into this. Sam, in your opinion, what stood out the most to you about last night's win? Well, I mean, they won. I think that's what stood out to me the most. It, it, was, it was a hell of a game. I mean, you know, Vahe and I were talking about this during the game, but the last three times these two teams have met, well, let's just say the last three times these two quarterbacks have met, I'm not counting that regular season finale where the Chiefs wrestled their starters. It's been the best games of the season. You know, last year when they met out in L.A., Harrison Bucker kicked, what, nine field goal, game-winning field goals before they finally counted the last one. Then you had, in the, in the first meeting this year in week three, the Chargers score a game-winning touchdown with 32 seconds left. Then we get the best of the three, I think, last night. I mean, Travis Kelsey, a guy who um, – we, we, we asked Andy Reid, I mean – to be frank about, you know, why he wasn't Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey over the past few weeks. I, I went back on the game logs and he had 54 yards over the last two weeks. It was the worst stretch he had had in since 2015. And for him to break out for his career high after that back-to-back stretch, that, you know, getting him back to, to where we, we – know where he can be and where he has been, I think puts the Chiefs offense on a different level. Yeah, 410 yards passing, three uh, two t- three touchdowns, two to Travis Kelsey, one to Tyreek Hill. And, and Vahe, you know as well as most of the fans do that he's gone through stretches here where he just hasn't looked the same, but he's battled through it. And last night we saw what Mahomes can do when the pressure is on, the lights are on. And he, he tosses 410 yards. And I know you wrote a column about him, so why don't you tell us about what, what you wrote about. First of all, I want to say that the red zone is for uh, parking only. And I'm just giving you a little the the, the background noise here at LAX. We wanted to make this a reality show. The thing that really stood out about Patrick is I, I, I'm sure we all were very cognizant of, of those back-to-back, almost back-to-back plays when he – uh, as he put it, dirted the ball. I'll use that term instead of the other term he used for the pass. But he dirted the ball to McCole Hardman um, on on a, a fourth down. That, it was a touchdown at, at you know at the goal line. And then uh, you know Travis Kelsey gets in his grill and gives him the pep talk, and and Patrick comes back out there and throws a terrible interception. And that's kind of a a tough one two punch. The thing that then happened is he throws for two hundred three yards after the third quarter. Like out of that 410, 203 was in the third quarter in overtime, 375 yard drive. I was so distracted by 275 yard drives in a two minute 31 second. I didn't really, you know, think about the one in the last, started with 929 left. So the point of all this is that we saw a little bit of, I think, the microcosm of Mahomes in that game, right? Go ahead and count them out if you want, but you, you, you better never believe that. And, um, I think it reminds us what's still in there for the Chiefs, even as they've been winning six straight games and he's had a couple flashy moments. You haven't sort of seen a, I can't believe he did that game out of him. And that that's what I felt like last night. Just to that point, um, my, the, the headline put it best that it went from uh, his worst <laughs> to his best. <laughs> I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad I ran that by you and, and, and used that headline. 
you know, for, for a while now, we've been talking about, you know, is Mahomes in his own head a little bit because things he hasn't caught many breaks this year. I thought that four down throw to McCall Hardman that you mentioned kind of showed that he is a little bit. You know, I, I just thought that was a, a situation where he gripped the ball too tightly and just knew that that ball was there, knew how big that play was going to be. And just like he said, dirted the ball. It was a really crappy throw is, is what he said when you asked him about it. You know, Mahomes was in a great mood last night. That was the only question he wasn't thrilled about answering. He wasn't thrilled about answering the follow-up either. But we saw, like you mentioned, by also the best quality, I think, of Patrick Mahomes, which is things can be going really poorly. And this was something we talked about so much in 2020. Things could be going really poorly for a quarter, for two quarters, and last night for three and a half quarters. And he's still Patrick Mahomes at the end of the game. And the end of the game last night required three straight drives. Game time drive, game time drive, game winning drive. He executed all of them flawlessly. What also helps in executing is when you've got Travis Kelsey hauling in 10 catches for 191 yards and you've got Tyreek Hill hauling in 12 catches for 148 yards on 13 targets. And when you see the, these two players, the 69-yard catch from Kelsey and then also the 34-yard game winning touchdown, his ability to pull away from the Chargers defensive backs and the linebackers and Andy Reid and, and Mahomes were jokingly calling him the old man. <laughs> you an old man in your opinion, Sam? Well, I mean, he's older than most of the rest of the team. He's 32 years old. But, you know, on that last play, that game-winning touchdown, I counted six Chargers defenders to attack Travis Kelsey on that play. And he barely gets touched. You know, when he catches the ball, there's three defenders who are in their base stance to make the tackle just waiting on his next move, and none of them anticipate what that move was going to be, which is a completely dart back to his right. Then he cuts up field. Then he weaves all the way back to his left. Patrick Mahomes said last night that one of the reasons Travis Kelsey is so good after the catch is because of his size. His speed is surprising to people. So they, they take bad angles on him because they anticipate they're going to meet him at one spot, and he's already by that spot by the time they get there. That's sort of the Travis Kelsey of old to me. And that's what we saw last night. You know, those the, the two big plays that he had were mostly him. The game when he touched down, Mahomes throws, you know, a five-yard pass over the middle. Kelsey does the 25 yards of work I just described. The other one, Travis Kelsey gets wide open despite a defensive back trying to hold him, trying to blatantly hold him so poorly that he falls down trying to hold Travis Kelsey. Kelsey catches the ball at midfield and travels the next 49 yards. And it's not like he had open field in front of him. I mean, he's still weaving through guys to get those 49 yards. You know, we talked about the last three drives for Mahomes. The last three for Travis Kelsey are the 69-yard catch to the one-yard line, the game-tying touchdown catch, and then the game-winning touchdown catch. And wasn't there another 30-yarder in there? There was another catch in there. You know, it's funny, though, just to tie together a couple things. I don't know if you guys felt like this, but because of what happened with Patrick and McCole Hardman at the goal line, when Kelsey was so wide open on that play, I actually thought for a second, Patrick might not get it to him and, and I've never felt that way about him like he was too open but it was just that kind of night where it, things were a little off kilter and and the guy has the uh the, the knack to come through when when it ha when he has to hey it's Blair we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. 
your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I see a lot of comments right now on our stream from people questioning the running game. And here are the numbers. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 32 yards rushing on nine carries. That's 3.6 yards per attempt. Daryl Williams gained 12 yards on five carries. That's a whopping 2.1 yards per attempt. Mahomes is Mahomes. Kelsey is Kelsey. Hill is Hill. But getting into the playoffs, as we start preparing for the playoffs, what is your alarm level over the Chiefs' inability to get some kind of running game going? Because they're going to need it in January. One thing I thought, I'll just say this real quick, Sam, and cut to you. I, obviously, those those stats show that the, they weren't having great success with the run, but I thought maybe they got away from the run a little too fast. I don't know if they just felt like the pace the game was going, the way the Chargers were certainly getting to the goal line. They were just going to need to be able to score faster. I, I don't know. I, I I haven't been able to think it through enough, and a uh, bad night of sleep isn't helping me express it very well. So I just thought they, they maybe they could have stuck with the run a little more. And and I don't know. You guys may see it totally differently. It's surprising because the Chargers have the worst run defense in the NFL. That that was something they were not able to exploit. Um, but alarm level. I mean, we're talking one game out of, out of you know fifteen. In the offseason, they went out to improve their their offensive line. They've significantly improved the entire offensive line, but particularly the run-blocking aspect. I mean, that's the strength of their interior line now is run-blocking more than pass protection. They're, they rank top five in the league in that. So I'm going to take the evidence of the first 13 games as, as opposed to just the last one. Let me just throw this in, too. You know, we every game you see something that maybe you didn't think would play play out as it should or you would expect or you just sort of think would be what a really good team does but they're playing a really good team and you know teams prepare for each other and they're i think the chargers may be the second best team in the afc when you look at it that way these games are just going to going to be the sorts of the sorts of battles we see and, and the chiefs have learned they, they don't win just one way is, it, is this where i need to take over the host herbie while while the two of you are at the airport getting instructions here Hey, that's not our flight they were calling for. <laughs> we we should be good. You asked us what stood out to us. I mean, what, what stood out to you most about? I mean, we, we've gone through a checklist of things, but, but what was like the biggest standout to you? Here's what stood out to me. And this is something that we saw a comment from one of the viewers here. And they mentioned special teams. I think a lot of people forgot how many players the Chiefs entered this game with that were on the reserve COVID list. They had to pull up four players from the practice squad. And, and when you do that the day of the game, that affects what Dave Tobe wants to do on special teams. You had a lot of players in there who were not typically part of that rotation. But the fact that the Chiefs pulled this game out without Chris Jones, without Willie Gay Jr., without Josh Gordon, you know, three players they rely on, and they come into L.A., and, and as Vahe says, you, call, you consider the Chargers the second-best team in the ASC. Imagine how, much, how better they would be if they actually kicked field goals on fourth and goal. I enjoyed the fact that the Chiefs came into this game with a lot of adversity, especially when COVID is affecting the NFL right now. What I think it was more than 100 players over the early part of the week landing on that list, and they came down here and showed why they are the team. Yeah, the, the fourth down thing was really interesting. Analytically, I, I thought they followed. I, I'd like to see the model and all, 
all of them. And, and Jesse wrote a good story about that from back in K- Kansas City for us. The fourth and five on the opening drive surprised me the most. You know, a lot of these models have you going for it on four downs because over the long haul, it helps you out. And by the way, it helped them win a game in Kansas City in week three. They went for it on fourth and nine before that game winning touchdown with 32 seconds left. Otherwise, they're going to punt. They had the punt team on the field and then bring back the offense. And then remember, they got to delay a game. And so we all thought, well, now they're going to bring the punt team back on. They still went for it on fourth and nine and they got it on, on the pass interference on DeAndre Baker. So I feel like you've got to take those decisions and the broader picture of it's always going to be easy to single out the decisions and the ones that went wrong. The math may favor you, but the math's never going to be 100%. But the one that surprised me the most was the fourth and five on the opening drive, because I think that anytime you're at the goal line, it's harder to get the yardage. Your play sheet is limited by the fact the end zone's only 10 yards deep. And when it's fourth and five, everybody knows you're passing. So then your play sheet shrinks even further. And so I thought that one was their most difficult attempt for those couple of reasons. And, and especially after getting a 75-yard kickoff to open the game, you know, Andy Reeve even said this in his presser last Monday. He said, don't mention uh, momentum to the analysts because they hate that word. They don't believe in that. But I do think when you get a 75-yard kick return and you don't score, there is some momentum involved in that. I sort of thought about that too, Sam, and maybe we were talking about it in real time. You get the 75-yard return, then two plays later, Eckler runs 15 yards to the five, and it's like, okay, they might get swamped here, right, or at least early. And then three straight incompletions, I just, I don't know, it seemed apparent to me like you will lose any any uh, element of uh, momentum or whatever you want to call it that you have if you don't take the points. And that was just, I just think, higher risk than reward enough so that it was it was just sort of blind faith I, I yeah i agree with that but one other thing herbie just to your point if you step back from this game there's there's 10 things about it uh, including melvin ingram's uh, apparent uh, ability to influence coin tosses but probably really the story of the game is doing this with three defensive starters key starters out yeah each one of those guys and, and, and maybe willie gay less less than chris jones and less than latarius need but each one of those guys is really becoming a, a key cog of that that defense and it's a really good Chargers offense so i i uh i think that that's that's a, another thing that tells us there's something really potent going on here with the chiefs here's how you know that the chiefs missed chris jones last night the chargers gashed them for 190 plus yards rushing most of it coming right up the gut. And so Derek Nottie had to fill in for Chris Jones, but he's no Chris Jones. Here's the question I have for you two. We know about Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Is Mahomes versus Justin Herbert now the premier matchup for the unforeseeable future based on what we've seen out of Justin Herbert now in four career games against the Chiefs? Sam, you first. Well, I think it is because they're going to face each other twice a year. You know, those those matchups are guaranteed to be built into the schedule every year. Those other ones you mentioned are not. You know, we, we say this here on, what is it, it's December 17th. But the Broncos could do something in the offseason that, that could be really interesting. But for now, yeah, I mean, this this is a matchup that we could be seeing for the next decade. I mean, it's entirely foreseeable we, that these two are facing off for the next decade. And, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, Based on their only three career meetings, I don't see how you you could think that any matchup has been more dramatic than this one. I'll add to that and say I'm looking forward to the challenge of Sam McDowell breaking that down uh, in in numerous ways when they meet in the, in the playoffs. 
but it's fun to watch. And uh, you can tell the respect the Chiefs have for uh, have for the Chargers and for and for uh, this quarterback matchup. And I think Tyron Matthew actually tweeted about it last night that the Chargers really have something going on. I, it really makes it fun. And uh, it also means that uh, the Chiefs aren't just going to automatically win these games. Yeah, Kelsey also said it last night at his post-game press conference where he said where he called Justin Herbert essentially an elite quarterback and the Chargers are in good hands. Hey, as we get ready to wrap up here from Los Angeles, I will be remiss if I didn't mention two things. Blair Kirkhoff, thank you for your phenomenal column. I know a lot of our readers and listeners have been asking about you, but hey, best to you as you recover. And to our esteemed colleague, Sam Mellinger, who now transitions from sports writer to vice president of communications for the Kansas City Royals. Too bad you didn't come join us on your last show, but you will also be missed. Sam, Vahe, do you have any parting thoughts for uh, Blair and, and Melly? Yeah, I'll let Vahe take the last word on this because he's known both of these guys for longer. But, you know, our, our world this week has is, is been shaken a little bit because of what the things you mentioned. But, you know, if there's anyone that can get through this, and I, I believe we'll get through this, is Blair. I mean, he's one of the absolute most resilient people I know and, and certainly just a guy that has been a big influence on my career. And the same goes for Sam. I mean, just a gigantic influence on my career. I told him this. <clears throat> when when I got hired three days before I started, Sam took me out to lunch. And the first guy I met at the Kansas City Star, he was just, you know, he was already, the, he was at that time the only columnist for the Kansas City Star. But, you know, it just meant that much to him to, to meet the young guy coming in. And he told me that anything you need, I, I can help you. And I don't know if he ever regretted that. He might have because I went to that well probably one too many times. Um, but just he was always, always willing. Um, like I said, it, it, it's a big loss for me personally. Um, but I feel like for also me professionally, just because that guy was a, a guy who or is a guy who I continue to look up to what what he was able to do. I'll find it very hard to uh, talk about each of them without getting too emotional. For some reason, it's really hitting me right now. But and I can't say it any better than you did, Sam or Herbie. But uh, I uh, can shamelessly say I, I really love both those guys. With the final boarding call, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. But with my esteemed colleague, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and to our listeners out there, hey, we showed we can improvise, adapt, and overcome with a post-game show live from Los Angeles Airport with producer Beth Walsh. Hey, everyone, we will see you next week when the Chiefs take on the Pittsburgh Steelers at Arrowhead Stadium. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone.